0: This is the MLM.com podcast, and I'm your host, Kenny Rollins. Today is actually the first in a series of episodes we're going to do about uh, employee and distributor engagement, and I'm joined with Nancy Tobler. Uh, Nancy, hello.
1: Hello. How are we?
0: Good, good. Um, so, Nancy's obviously been on the podcast before and hosted a, a few of the episodes, and um, uh, but Nancy uh, has a unique background that I, I think uh, brings some interesting insight into to this idea of distributor and uh, employee engagement. So, Nancy, tell us a little bit about your, your background and, okay. and a little introduction to, to your experience.
1: Okay. So, I've worked with MLM.com since, uh, I think, 2001, So that's been uh, interesting work, and I've worked in the direct selling industry since 1999, so just a little over 20 years. And at the same time, I started my PhD program at the University of Utah, and I have studied organizational communication. Specifically, I study organizational change and how technology influences it, but along with that, I did a lot of broad reading and uh, looking at the research on what employers do, what organizations do, but also what employees do and how that fits together into a complex network of effective and ineffective sort of behaviors and strategies.
0: Yeah, and I I think kind of that, uh, that intersection of your research as well as your experience with, uh, MLM and and kind of the different dynamics that come into play with um, distributors and employees it does make for for an interesting yeah like like I said a little mini series uh, about engagement um, and kind of some of your thoughts and observations and so um, for this first for this first discussion we wanted to focus on uh, values and philosophy.
1: Yeah, I call it values and vision. Uh, Most companies will say they have a vision. And in reality, the vision statement is uh, an attempt to put down in words what it is the company values. Uh, And if employees are connected to those values, then that's what we want, right? They They are happier at work. They're happier talking to distributors. So if you have engaged employees then companies are happier, and so are the employees. They're yeah. happier. So works for everybody if it's happening.
0: Well, I guess kind of my observation, and tell me if, if this is accurate or not, is a company is going to have uh, its vision and values that are unofficially uh, – that may not be the official written one, but that are what people live by because it's ingrained in the culture. And the hope would be that, that that culture reflects what you've actually written down in your vision and value statement.
1: Right. You're absolutely right. There is the official statement that is made by a company, and then there's what they actually do. And that's true for employees too, right? They'll say one thing and they do another. So, it you know companies that are great places to work. We were just talking about great places to work today. Uh, companies that are good at it, their expressed values, the things that are written down in the handbook and published on the walls and you know in the lunchroom, and what they actually reward and what they actually pay heed to, if they're the same then it's easier to make a connection as an employee or, I would say, as a distributor as well. Yeah. I think a lot of what we're talking about today applies to both.
0: And so, yeah, let's just jump in there. What are, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm interested to hear your, your different thoughts on it, but what... Why should a company care if the employee understands their vision, and then also if the distributor force understands their vision?
1: Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess it all depends on if you want to stay in business, right? If if your goal is to stay in business, uh, then you want to have clarity, uh, clarity of purpose and you want your employees to know that and you want your distributors to know what that purpose is. And uh, the big key is to reward for the behaviors you want. We talk about this a lot on other things like compensation plans and other places in MLM. But if you want employees to be connected to your company and be happy to work there, you've got to reward them for the behaviors that you want.
0: Right. And and I guess, you know, maybe some more a a more cynical view would be, well, I don't I don't really care what what my employees, if they understand the vision of value, as long as they do a good job. But what I hear you saying is it's less likely that they're going to do a good job and be happy and stay with you long term if they don't understand that vision.
1: Yeah. So. So I think we've talked about this before. The statistics right now are it's uh, the tenure for an, an employee is about three years. And it takes you at least six months to a year to train an employee to work for you. So if they're going to leave in three years, you you spent the first year just getting them up to speed. Uh We also know that if they're not happy, they spend time at work looking for another job. So they're not doing their job to the fullest. Uh, They spend time uh, slacking off as much as they think as they can get away with. So happy employees work harder. That's just the honest truth. Uh, it's good It's good for them, right? I mean, I'm not trying to be uh, saying companies are exploiting their employees by making it a happy place to work. A happy place to work means it's a happy place to work. So employees are happy. Uh, they spend eight hours a day at their job. That's a third, a third of their time. And then another two hours commuting to that job. Uh, they spend more time with their work people than anyone else. In fact, the research says that parents of teenagers only spend 15 minutes a day talking to that teenager. So your work family, or your workmates, they are your mates. They are the people you spend day in, day out with. And if they're happy,
0: you,
1: your bottom line is better off. That's, yeah. that's the truth.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that is interesting because, like I said, I – you know, I've, I've lately been on kind of a—I don't know—yeah, uh, pre-Great Depression history kick, and and it's interesting just hearing. I, I'm reading a book about or listening to a book about John D. Rockefeller right now, and it is interesting just to kind of hear not specifically to Rockefeller, but just from that time how people viewed workforce so differently, oh, right? Yeah. And this appreciation that this isn't only a conversation about the right thing to do, but it also makes sense from your bottom line perspective right. because it does impact that. So I am curious, uh, how do you think that, th- that these ideas and how have you seen this applied specifically to MLMs uh, and, and, and particularly with a distributor force?
1: So the two things that I wrote down that I think direct selling companies, MLM companies do well are philanthropy and product vision. And philanthropy is, a, is if you decide to give back to your community as a direct selling company, that's your value. There's, just, there's, not, there's no way to say it any, any stronger than that. If you decide you're Avon and you're going to support uh, breast cancer awareness, and breast cancer research, you've just said, I value women. Plain and simple, because that's the disease for women, right? right? I mean, men get it, but it's it's a, a, certainly a disease that women get. If you're Zingular, uh, we just had a great podcast with Russ Fletcher. If you're Zingular and you are looking for ways to help your distributors in their communities and you're building your philanthropy around specific needs. I, I can't, even, uh, it's just such a powerful concept that you, what you're saying is our distributor force matters. So it's not just that we're gonna give to some worthy cause, we're gonna give to a community that's got flooding because our distributors live there. So it has this twofold effect, right? It has this effect of saying, we value helping others, right? That's the general value of all philanthropy. But we also value helping others in the community where our distributors are. It's very powerful. The other one I was thinking of that's done a really good job with philanthropy and building on it, although I know they're changing their uh, process right now, but New Skin has always had something connected to their product but also was philanthropy. So I don't know if you remember that for a long time, they gave research for skin diseases because they had skincare products. So it just made sense to them that they ought to be in the business of helping researchers find cures for diseases of the skin. Yeah. Uh, uh, There's, there's our value. We value our product and we value our product enough to support what our product does is that's just incredibly powerful.
0: Yeah, and, and that makes sense. So, so I guess what would I, I guess as as a, as, a, as, a, as any company really, if you're listening to this, you've got to ask yourself, okay, how are we translating what we say our vision and value is in into actions? Would yeah. Be, the takeaway there, right?
1: Yeah, you have to decide. Uh there uh, just again, we were talking about great places to work today. So I read through the DSN's 2018 list, and Team National, they have a list of seven or eight different nonprofits, and they have time periods when you can just go ahead and instead of work, you go to that nonprofit and donate your time there. Uh it doesn't have to be a single thing like breast cancer awareness like Avon did you could simply decide to give back to the community where your your headquarters are and have that be as diverse as your employees it doesn't have to have a single vision t- to be seen as a company that cares yeah right that's what you're trying to show is we're a company that cares
0: Well, yeah, and going back to that that uh, episode we did with Russ uh, Fletcher from Zingular, uh, you know, they one of his big points uh, was that they don't have a single one thing that they do; they address it uh, kind of need based and case by case, and and I think that uh, in some ways can be almost more engaging because it shows you know, the the constant evaluation by, by management and by leadership to say, hey, here's a need and here's how we as a company can help.
1: Yeah, there's always an interesting uh, phenomenon. Did it come from the bottom up or did it come from the top down? And those things that come from the bottom up can be incredibly powerful. Now, obviously, things that come from the leaders can be powerful, too. But we often uh, forget that it, uh, just a little thing like fantasy football, right? Uh, a group of coworkers will put together fantasy football. If that mushrooms through a company, it can create its own little cultural effect, right? It, the same thing is true with the singular. They're letting the distributors, not the CEO of the company, decide where the money goes. Mm-hmm. So that's incredibly powerful. It's coming from the bottom up. Yeah. Instead of from the top down.
0: Yeah. No, that is that is interesting uh, to think about. So then the, the other one you mentioned is product.
1: So we're we're an industry that you, you just can't... I can't even think of a company. I tried to think of a company who started without a product vision. And maybe there are some and they failed and I don't know about them. But we're an industry where the reason people started the business was because they saw a need and they found a product that filled a need and they told a story about that so one of my favorites is herb um i wrote it down so i wouldn't forget shackley shackley is one of my favorites uh we talked about herb life earlier but uh shackley started out with organic green Clean products, right? That was their whole goal was to provide clean vitamins and minerals and supplements as well as clean dish soap and laundry soap way before it had anything to do with all of these companies now. You can't even touch a company now that doesn't have something they say about them being green. Right. They, yes. they all say it now. But 1950s, when Dr. Shackley started his company, it wasn't even on the horizon. Well, maybe there was a, a book or two. Uh, the Silent Spring had been written in the late 40s, but early 50s. It was still pretty, pretty novel to talk about. And he built his company on this idea that we have to take care of the environment and take care of ourselves at the same time.
0: Yeah, and that is, that is fascinating how, yeah, that, well, your observation that the successful companies in this space, uh, there is a, a story and a set of values and a set of principles that almost always, like you, I can't think of any successful company that, that doesn't have that behind them. I've worked with a few startups where they had the mindset that the product didn't necessarily matter but those aren't aren't companies that make it right, right. Uh, And as much as we talk about it, you know my entire career has been focused around compensation plan and, and analytics and things like that uh, but but the reality is this industry while the, the business building and the opportunity income opportunity is a big part of it, yeah, if you don't have a product and you and you don't have that set of of values and principles, you really don't have anything in this industry, and yeah. that is interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about compensation for just a minute. Uh, talking about another company, Amway, DeVoe and Van Andel, I believe, were the ones that started Amway, and they had this vision that you could pay multiple levels deep, and. Uh, early companies that were in direct selling paid one level, maybe two levels, uh, but you made most of your money off retail sales. And then along came Amway and they said, no, I think we can make money off of helping people run their own small business, right? So we'll pay them to to work with their teams and we'll, we'll allow that to be multi-level compensation. And they changed the industry. Uh, you know, they went through some tough times in the '70s where they had a couple of laws uh, that that ch- changed the industry, like the 90% rule. You have to take back 90% of products so that the you, people weren't garage qualifying. And and Amway took the heat and survived it, and they're one of the top companies in the world still today. So, product vision and compensation vision are two areas that are unique, I think. To our industry
0: yeah and even that the 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 compensation vision though a lot of times I've seen it be mo- most successful when it is built on a kind of a, a principle-based approach where you're helping other people where you're uh, creating a team a team atmosphere and you're you're helping other people uh yeah build a business and there right. there's a mentoring component um and, and that really comes through in the, the values and principles that, that a, a company uh, basically embodies, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Companies, leaders can do a lot, but you have to recognize that employees also do a lot. They change your company. They change it without you even lo- knowing it's happening. So, you can do a lot as the leadership, but you also need to keep your eyes on what's happening inside your company, both for the good and for the not good, so that you can either facilitate it or tr- tr- try to uh, get away from it.
0: Well, no, and I think that is an excellent point. And this this will be a good point to close on is, yeah, if you're a, a person who, yeah, has just listened to this episode and you're, you're in leadership, I think that that is a good message, right? That um, I mean, like your point about uh, the organic culture and the, the bottom up mentality. If you, as a leadership team or as a sole owner of a company, aren't aren't paying attention to the messages that that your both distributor field and your uh, your employees are sending you, then you're missing out on a huge opportunity.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Um, and, and I think that, that is an excellent point. Um, well, Nancy, uh, we appreciate your time and and we look forward to continuing, uh, this conversation on, on engagement over, uh, several of these episodes.
1: Great. Great. Thank you.
0: That does it for today's episode of the MLM.com podcast by InfoTrack Systems. I'm your host, Kenny Rollins. I'm grateful to Nancy for taking the time to join us today. We also want to thank Jana Bangeter for production support and you, our listeners. We hope you'll join us again next time.